The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, maybe people are still coming. And um, so I'll start by saying how grateful I am for all of you who come to YouTube. It's been a wonderful thing to be able to offer these kinds of teachings. And, um, and uh, it was my, you know, when I first um, decided to dedicate my life to Buddhist, Buddhist practice, and, uh, which was now, you know, over 40 years ago, uh, I, um, the image I had it for myself was that uh, I would be a, I was going to be a Zen priest, a Zen monk, and I'd have the key to a small storefront uh, meditation center in some city, and um, that pretty much was just like a room. I had the key, and I'd keep it clean, the place, and I'd go early in the morning and open up the door and sit and meditate with whatever whoever came to support their meditation. And so this idea of getting up in the morning and sitting with people uh, was something that's always been in my mind as a central part of what, you know, my life was going to be about. And I do that on retreats. Uh, certainly, I'm very happy I get up for the first sitting, and I love sit doing it. But here, since the, we started this YouTube at, in California at 7 a.m., I just delight at the chance to get up in the morning, get ready, have breakfast, and then come down here and be able to sit with people. And it's not quite a storefront we have here, but... Um, uh, I don't know exactly what this YouTube space is, but um, it's uh, very very satisfying, and I'm happy to be part of this and to do this. And um, the um, and the idea I don't I don't can't imagine that we'll, we'll stop doing this YouTube now. Um, you know, when I, when I, as you know, when I go away and do something, then I we have these wonderful teachers who come and teach for me and. I can imagine someday in the future that maybe there'll be a transition where I teach less and some of those teachers teach more. But for the time being, I have no plans to do things differently um, as we're doing it now. And then, um, uh, you know, I do, I do have some, some concern for how to continue to support those of you whose primary connection is through YouTube this way. And uh, some of you might find it very interesting to... Um, some of you already do, is that uh, with the pandemic, uh, we've started to offer retreats, day-long retreats and longer retreats uh, uh, um, uh, on Zoom. And some of them are called hybrid, where uh, participants are are in person at our retreat center, and then there's lots of people who can do it. More people can do it online, on Zoom, then art can do it in person, and it's not uncommon for us to have retreats with a hundred people on Zoom and forty people at the retreat center, which is the maximum we can hold. And um, and then we have daylongs as well on Zoom that uh, through IRC. I'm doing one. I think I'm doing one. Maybe in a couple of weeks, in a week or so. So. Um, Anyway, so wanting to support you in some ways, and so hopefully we do some of them. And and I know that Matthew Brensiller also wants to have something, uh, wants to do, offer something for us 
on YouTube, um, and I need to be in conversation with him and how he wants to maybe add an additional thing uh, weekly, which I think would be quite wonderful. Um, many of you know him and find him wonderful, and and you know, and of course, I mean, many of you know that Nikki Mergafori and now Liz Powell and some others are also offering happy hour sometimes on YouTube. Um, so there's more and more available as we go along here. So um, do you guys have any questions you'd like to ask, maybe from this uh, inter-meditation series or from um, anything at all that's somehow related to what we're doing here? And it, it would be best if, if you can raise your, hand, your Zoom hand, which means that if you don't know how this is, in the bottom screen of your screen there's a menu in there, it should say Reactions. And um, and now's your finally a chance. You're allowed to have a reaction, um, and um, and and, uh, and push a button, and um, to then I'll see your hand. It can call on you. So I see Pad- Padma. Let's see. Uh, wait, wait, just a second. I have to. I see Pad- Padma. Oh, let's see. What, oh, hang on a minute. I have to. I have to. Uh, um, uh, change some things here. I have to go find the YouTube and and make it silent somehow. Okay. So YouTube is now silent. You see, I um, I turn off the sound on my laptop when I do this, uh, and so then I forget to turn it on. And when I do, it's confusing. So now I think I'm ready. Let's let's try again, Padma. Okay. Can you hear? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Gil. Thank you. Thank you for all your services, and uh, I'm grateful that. IMC came into my life like seven years ago, and it's been nothing but blissful. A couple of questions. Um, So, you know, I attended all these 25 sessions, um, even though I've been practicing for a while, I'm still a beginner. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I do notice it, and it's really nice when I notice that how the mind is going. Um, And, uh, but my question is, that isn't the noticing part still the mind? That's question number one. Question number two is completely different, which is, you know, I had this thought for a while. I think I talked to a couple of teachers too. It's like, I wish IMC has this community living. I want to just live and breathe in the community. Um, So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's like more like going into the monastery style, I guess. I don't know. But I mean, I think it would be such a great thing to have it in California. And I'm sure I'd love to contribute in any way I can. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very good questions. So the first one, let me see if I can repeat it. Um, we are practicing mindfulness of everything, mindfulness of the mind, but the mindfulness itself, the noting itself is the mind. And, and so you're a little confused about that, like how can the mind know itself, or you're kind of stuck in the mind, you can't get out of it. Um, it's not like I'm stuck. It is nice. I do get that moments of the just whatever you call the quietness, stillness, and I don't even feel my body, and it's beautiful. You know, it's just like a floating sense. And then slowly I'm like, is this still my mind, (laughs) you know? Um, But I'm not stuck there, you know? I'm just going through the waves still, Uh right? Yeah. 
Yes, that's nice. Yes, yeah, so I don't think you should worry about it. The, um, the, yes, every, in a certain kind of way, everything is mind. Uh, and um, and uh, sometimes it seems like we're surfacing to make a note, to recognize what's going on. And so you just recognize, oh, I feel like I'm surfacing. And then you uh, let, make the note maybe, or don't make a note. And sometimes you can start feeling yourself surface as you, the intention to note, come up with a thought arises. And then you say, no, thank you. And then you, you settle back in again. And, uh, and just be relaxed about it all. Because it's the rhythm of maybe coming up and having a note and then not being, not being ruffled by it, and then you settle again. And there are times when there's no need to make any note. There's no need for the, 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 to, to have this active recognition. But that's mostly when things are very, very quiet and still and empty. And, um, but it'll, it'll come in and come out, and your job is just to be at ease with whatever happens at that point. And so, and, and part of that ease is uh, uh, at this point, no need to figure it out, because that's 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 a more agitated mind that's figuring it out. Does that does that help? Yes. Okay. So then, with um, with the um, um, this, you know, uh, retirement kind of uh, retirement community or IMC, uh, you know, kind of uh, place where people can live together. Um, that would be lovely to have, and uh, sometimes I've thought it would be nice to, uh, there's an apartment building next door here, and uh, I don't know how many units it has, maybe 10 units or something. I thought, wow, if uh, we or someone could buy it, we could have a community of people living right next door, and that would be nice. And, and you know, people are complicated, so it's, it, it'll, have a, it'll have its other aspects. And then the other is... Um, uh, many people have asked for is it is in fact a kind of a retirement community and um, and the San Francisco Zen Center has just opened one uh, that uh, took maybe took 15 years of uh, or maybe uh, uh, of planning uh, t- at least 10 years of planning and no maybe maybe almost 20 years um, they didn't know what they were doing so one person with uh, their the vice president at a certain time with not a lot of support in the community, that we have to do this, and and researched and planned and created the connections to make it happen, and they failed and they started again, and then it worked. And now I think it has two hundred units, and people are now moving in, and some of the people I've I've talked to who moved in there love it up there. It's, it's a kind of a Buddhist retirement community, and it's actually a Buddhist Quaker. They're kind of a partnership with the Quakers, which is kind of special. And um, so what I've seen from San Francisco Zen Center, there's a, there's a um, model in this country uh, for how to create retirement communities that's supported by some of the churches. Some of the big denominations have these, these nonprofit wings. This is what they do is they create retirement communities. And the Quakers have a preeminent one. They're really, they're really high quality and caring kind of way of doing it. And other, uh, and so there's a way of doing it and partnering with people who are in the business of it, but um, it's a lot of work. Uh, you know, maybe one, if if one person put their whole full time uh, task to it, it could probably be done. But um, um, I can't, you know, 
I would love to see it happen for us, but I don't see the volunteer who's going to step forward to make it happen. Unless you want to do it. <laughs> Thank you. Again. Thank you. Okay, so I see a hand. I got looking the wrong place, and for that I have to put on my glasses. Mary Lou. Well, thank you, Gil. These weeks have been so helpful, and I'm glad we're going to go deeper um, in the coming weeks. Uh, My question today is about earlier this week you were discussing the aperture of mindfulness, moving close or moving far away. And lately um, I've had some oh, uh, worry, anxiety, concern for another being, and there's not much I can do really about the situation. And I have just had waves of emotion during on the cushion and off the cushion. And, of course, when it happens on the cushion, there's a part of me that's like, no, I want to be settling and following the guidance, but I can't. There is no way it feels like I can step further away. Um, So then I just follow what I believe is the instruction that if something's predominant, you stay there. And it ebbs and flows, you know, comes and goes. But I guess so my question is, is there a skillful way or should I or could I be learning to step further away when something like that happens? Uh And what does... um, widening an aperture, even about maybe something not as, 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 you know, emotional. How does that work? How does it look to step further away? Great. Wonderful question. So it stood out for me that when you talked about, uh, you're talking, specifically you're talking about um, how to be mindful with it, how to be, and you know, there's other, other practices to do, like equanimity that might be helpful sometimes. But, but let's just stay with the mindfulness for now. And, uh, and it struck me that you talked about it being waves, you talked about it ebbs and flows. So you see, you, so there's some freedom in you to be able to just let it pass through and, and, and kind, of go, kind of be there and know that it's passing through as opposed to getting locked into it. So you're already in a good, good spot. One of the things that might be helpful because of how you're practicing with it uh, is to kind of just accept that, oh, this is the human condition. Uh, people have had this kind of feelings, this kind of loss, this kind of concern for people for millennia. This is the human condition. And uh, not, not to dismiss it or belittle it, but to kind of allow yourself to accept your humanity. And, you know, this is how, this is, life is hard. Life is, has this part as part of it. And, and in some sense, of course, we want to have this capacity to feel sadness and concern because, because we love. And this is the, this is part of love. Um, so to, then, with that kind of acceptance, then very carefully and maybe lovingly, uh, uh, be, uh, just allow, allow it to be there. Allow it just be and move through you and move through you. But pay attention to it until maybe you start seeing, oh, look at that. There's resistance there. Look at that. There's I'm holding on to something there. Or look at that. There's a... Uh, uh, I'm thinking of myself as the victim of all this. And so that, ec- that, you know, and so you want to see where the extra is. What are you doing that's extra? Without disrespecting 
the basic feeling because it might be, you know, isn't that very normal what you're experiencing? But slowly tease apart what's extra, where the attachments are or the clinging is or something. Or maybe you assign meaning to it and this assigning a meaning is after all, so that's extra. And, you know, let me just be more simple with it. And that clarity then might help you to do what you're asking you to do, to step away from it. Um, which is, and, and one way to do that, more specifically, is, um, uh, is to use mental noting. So, you know, I don't know exactly what it is, but let's call it waves for now, just generic. Um, there's a wave. And then you can feel, uh, uh, just recognize it as wave, but pay attention to the tone of voice in which you're saying it with. Because the way that you're relating to it, you're involved with it, inter- might be contained in the voice. You know, you might be saying, you know, you might be a little bit afraid of it, and so, oh, wave coming, oh, wave, you know. And you can feel, hear that in the voice, or, you can, or it's anger, or, you can, or confusion or something. And see if you can find a place to use the mental note that's free of that reactivity. And that might create the distance you're looking for, the bigger mm. aperture you're looking for. Then it might be easier to, oh, okay, um, now I have this bigger uh, point of view to hold it in. Yes. Thank you. So, thank you. So then, uh, is it uh, Zoo? How do you pronounce your name? Zoo. Okay. You're still muted. Maybe I can help you with that. There we go. Got it. Great. (laughs) Okay. Um, So my question is about my... Um, posture. Um, I was unable to sit for a very long time, so I started lying down with my back on the floor and my legs on a chair. Um, And I've been doing that for maybe two or three years. And finally, the injury has resolved itself and I can actually sit again. And I find that... um, I actually get much deeper lying down and much more relaxed and much more able to stop. Uh, the, the mind is much, much calmer. So now that I sit, the meditation does not go as deep. And I'm wondering about that, um, you know, whether I, if it's okay to be lying down or whether I should try sit, um, sitting again. Uh, if if you have an opinion about that, it would be great. Great. Well, certainly, uh, it's fine to continue the way you were if that worked well for you, and you're learning something very significant from that deep piece that you have there. At some point, you I hope that you become interested in uh, how to carry some of what you're experiencing in meditation into your daily life. The, the line, the mind that's in meditation and the mind that's outside meditation is the same mind. It's your mind. 
And so, you know, there's no, you know, to limit that possibility of that peace you have in meditation and not the rest of your life is, uh, you know, is unfortunate. You could, why not, you know, have it be continuous? And so a big part of mindfulness practice at some point is practicing in daily life and, uh, and uh, bringing this into daily life. So one possibility is that um, sitting in, in the upright meditation posture is the, uh, is, the, uh, is, the, is the intermediary that will help you bring it into daily life. So you can do one of two things. You can continue with lying on the floor the way you have been for your primary meditation. And then when that finishes, if you have time, um, uh, stretch your legs, do something that you know, prepares you, and then go back and sit uh, in upright position. Uh, but you have the momentum, you have the, still the, the residue of the earlier meditation that you get to kind of bring that deeper peace there into that posture because you already prepared yourself. And then you get to explore what it's like there with the idea is at some point you can explore what it's like to start bringing some quality of it, uh, some characteristic of it, into your daily life. So that's one thing you can do. The other you can do is just say, well, I've done now a few years of this floor thing, and uh, that was uh, meditation with uh, uh, training wheels. And now I want to take off the training wheels and just jump right into sitting upright, and it's going to take a while to get to the same place. But that's, the, that's you know, you take off the training wheels, you're a little wobbly on the bike. So you're you know, a little bit wobbly sitting upright, and it'll take a while. You're so fortunate to have had this reference point, this possibility, and now you're going to learn it in, upright. And that, what you learn there, will be a great foundation for taking it into life. So those are the two things I suggest. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Captain, hi. Thank you. Thanks so much for all these teachings today. The softness, I think, at the end especially was really helpful. And it's kind of related to my question, which is I notice when I'm not today, maybe, but there's been other days where you've talked about resting your eyes in their sockets and also like relaxing the belly. And I find both of those very challenging, um, especially when um, sitting upright for my belly, I can't quite figure out how to relax it sometimes. And then I think I create stories around it that I'm trying to relax. But also, I also can't figure out how to get my eyes. It feels like they're just constantly looking. And I wondered just if you had any thoughts about that. Yeah. So with the eyes, the eyes, uh, often, most of the time, will be gently moving in the sockets, just kind of floating in there. So if that's what's doing, just be relaxed, that's fine. But if it's, you're actively kind of more looking, you know, like every time if there's a, your left knee hurts and you can see your eyes kind of like go and almost, you know, your eyes are closed, but you're kind of looking in that direction, then you're uh, too involved. And so the first line of how to practice with that is um, be content just knowing that that's the case. It's just one more thing to be mindful of. Oh, look there, I'm doing my thing again. Just That's how it feels. This is what, how it is now. And just 
there's something very profound about being relaxed about anything that's going on, including something that you think shouldn't be happening. Um, drop this shouldn't be happening. Just, um, okay, this is how it is. I'm just supposed to be mindful of how things is, and this is how it is. And that kind of, that acceptance, that kind of clarity, and then really seeing it, that itself over time begins to relax those things. So that's one possibility. The other possibility is to spend some time actively relaxing the, the eyes at least, um, feeling where the tension is. Maybe spend you know five minutes at, the, at some point during the sitting doing a, a scanning of the eye scan. And uh, just scan all around the eyes, the inside. Where Where is the tension? Where is the holding? Where, what does it feel like to be looking this way? Am I, am I, my eyes a little bit popping out of their sockets? <laughs> um, are they you know, like I'm reaching out into the world to grab something? Or is there some emotion that's connected to there? Oh, look, some people, their eyes are a manifestation of anxiety. So, oh, there's a little bit of apprehension there. That's interesting. So then, you, then it becomes apprehension meditation. You know, leave the eyes alone and just connect to the anxiety that might be there. Um, so those are some things you can do. And I don't know if that resonated with you with the eyes. With the belly, it might be, have something to do with the posture you're sitting in. Uh, so you might see if there's a, uh, an other posture that's more upright or... I don't know if you use a backrest or not in chair, but maybe to sit away, you know, sit sit in such a way that there's a little curve in the lower back, so that you know, at least in principle, gravity will pull your your belly forward. And um, but you know, I carried a lot of tension in my belly when I started meditating, and uh, it was surprised to me how much. And I would relax it. I could do that, and it would last for half a second. And uh, and so I didn't make it like a constant project, but after a while it just became an ordinary, everyday kind of thing in meditation that three, four, five times in the course of 40-minute meditation, I'd relax my belly. And then I didn't worry or wasn't concerned that half a second later it got tight again. It was just, okay, this is how it is. And then after a year, some years of doing that, the belly started to stay more and more relaxed. Now, I don't know if you have the patience for years, but um, I didn't mind because I I wasn't really trying to. I didn't have an idea that it should be different. And that was kind of a saving grace for me. I just, okay, I'm tense, I'll relax. Nope, that was nice for a half a second. but And then I went on with my meditation without thinking about it for another 10 minutes, and then I tried again. And so, so, uh, so that kind of ease with it all is usually works well. That is so helpful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. So, Amparo. Amparo. Actually, this is uh, Nate. I'm on my mom's Zoom accidentally. I thought it was mine. Hi. Hello. Yeah. I've been, I've been meditating with you almost, I think, a year and three months, right? I caught COVID just to tell you a little, I'm not going to go on and on. I caught COVID. I was having long COVID symptoms. And um, I was told by a community that it had autoimmune disorder to meditate. And I can tell you today right now, I'm much more active and I'm much more happier since meditation. And I, and I really am. Um, but I get a lot of pressure in my, in my scalp here. Mm-hmm. here. A lot of 
a lot of pressure, ears, everything, a lot of pressure. And um, I, I just remember you uh, saying things in class, breathe into the chaos, right? And, and that's actually helped me a lot expand and relax. Great. That's yeah, very good. That sounds excellent. I mean, so, I mean, one of the primary kind of uh, aspects of mindfulness, as I already said now, is to, in a certain way, accept what's happening. Don't fight it. Don't be concerned. But be mindful of it. Uh, so you want to bring your 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 mindfulness to that tension and do a guided tour of your attention. Like, high tension. We're, we're friends. We've been around for a while. And then just kind of scan around and feel where it's happening in your body. And then if you can breathe with it or breathe through it and expand with it in it or with it like you do, fantastic. So you're on the right, tr- you're on the right track. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, that's changed my life. I no longer have anxiety, depression. Um, it's, I used to have really bad. I was in the house for like five years. I had agoraphobia. I, I, it was so bad. And this has allowed me to just sit and confront. I started with Zen meditation and like how you started. Uh-huh. That was really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and I come from a really religious background. Like I learned my rosary in Latin and I had an experience in my religion. But then I've had my experiences with meditation, which are all my very personal ones. Yes. Fantastic. Well, I'm very happy to hear this. And... um one thing you might consider, since you brought up this topic of the pressure on your head, is that for some people, uh, that happens when, uh, they're medit- when they're meditating, they're trying too hard. Yeah, I know. I know that. I read up on this. Okay. Am I trying too hard? <laughs> I keep going. And it might not, it might not be. So, but it sounds like you're finding your way very well. And I think my job, listening to you, is to... Uh, uh, celebrate with you how well you're doing and how well this meditation has worked for you and, and how well you're finding your way. And uh, maybe yeah. more than just celebrate with you, maybe I can be your cheerleader. Thank you. I want you to use your strong voice one time, though. To you? <laughs> okay. Meditate. Meditate. <laughs> Have a good morning. Man. Thank Great. you very much. Thank you. So, Steve. Yes. I'm amazed that I have this opportunity to speak to you, Gil. It's, it's, um, you've been one of, my guide, um, one of my guides for the last few years. Actually, I started listening to you on audio, Donna, many years ago, and so it's really an honor. To be, and I want to, of course, express my gratitude right now. But I do have a Dharma question um, I um well it's one of a psychological or dharma question. It's about um unpleasant emotions and um the resistance to them. I you know, I think uh, through you and other teachers I've 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 recognized that there's this distinction between the two of them and I've been working with the resistance and I really think I've made some some headway on that and I think uh, there's tightness in my chest and my worry about what I'm feeling have I, well, I, I've been able to actually the, the tightness in my chest is, is pretty vanished through just kind of feeling into it. 
But there's some unpleasant emotions that are still there that have been repressed for a good reason because they're unpleasant. And especially like fear. Fear is um I I've tried to um just feel into that, but it doesn't work. It seems like it, it overwhelms me. And I, I know you've been um you have a great way of of addressing my personal concerns on, on your morning um talks. And so you I've heard you say it before, but what if it's overwhelming, what can you really do about fear? How do you work with it? Is it maybe yeah. I should use meta or some, some other hack or something? Because I just can't dive into the fear. It, it overwhelms me. Great. Well, thank you. This is a very important what you're bringing up. And it's, this is a, you know, you're not alone with this kind of concern. And so I appreciate the chance to answer this, not just for you, but for others as well. The... Um, so, you know, it's, it's very personal. Ideally, the answer that the teacher gives is very personal and really knows a person well because uh, fear can be debilitating and, uh, and fear can be connected to extremely deep things inside that maybe it's better to work with a really good therapist uh, with this. So, so we have to take a little bit with a grain of salt what I'm about to say. And uh, and consider whether it suits you. But to hear, I'll, I'll tell you, I I am having, um, I do have a, a therapist. I'm not sure if it's a really good therapist, but I'm, I'm not asking for. Um, I do I do just uh, see the distinction between the two um, job descriptions yeah. here. But I'm asking you from a Dharma perspective. Yeah. yeah yes. Yes. So um, uh, I would. Uh, uh, find circumstances where you feel pretty safe. Maybe for you it's safest, you know, if you know you have your therapist later in the day, for example. Or find a circumstance where, you know, uh, where you don't have to do anything for that day and you feel like you can kind of, you know, just be yourself for a while or recover or... Uh, make sure, you know, get, get you know, I don't know what, anything at all, make yourself safe. Even if it means getting an extra lock for your door or something. Whatever it makes your heart, your mind feel like, okay, it's this, now it's safe. Or have a friend nearby. Um, and then meditate with the fear and let yourself be overwhelmed. Try that. And, and, uh, and, uh, and let it take its course. But the way to do this, to let, let, let it be overwhelming, is have a good meditation posture that you do not compromise. So, for example, you wouldn't collapse, you know, or, you know, or, or tense up and start pulling away, or, you know, you would just, you know, hopefully it's a nice, comfortable post- enough posture, but you, you stayed in the posture, and then whatever overwhelm you're having and fear you're having, compost it in the body. Let the body hold it. Let the body process it. Just bring it back and feel how it is in the body. So compost in the body is the same thing as feeling it in the body and just come back, feel in the body, as opposed to the stories and the, some of the mental reactivity that might be. And, uh, and if you can relax the body around the fear, great. So, you, so really to see it through, let it overwhelm you, overwhelm you with those conditions I just provided 
and see what happens on the other side of the overwhelm. Is there, I know this is a dangerous question for the, you asked, you mentioned my therapist should be, should be helping me as well, but is it, you're giving me a, you're, you're implying that there's a, there's good things on the other side. Yeah. Give me a faith of that. Yes. I'm implying there's good things on the other side and now it's possible to live without fear and anxiety. And some people will do this on retreats, meditation retreats. Uh, because there it's, it's very safe and you have the whole day to kind of let it unwind or to process and you don't have to go to work, you don't have to talk to people. And uh, so some people find that's a good place. And whether it's the right place for you, uh, it might be something you want to ask your therapist uh, and say, you know, I'm thinking about doing a retreat or something or a um, day-long retreat. You can do the one on Zoom we're going to have soon. Um, and um, But ask, you know... Ask your therapist, because I, I don't know you. I don't know how intense it is. And what can happen with, with uh, fear is that there, you know, you know, there can be panic attacks. It could, uh, it, rather than finding more uh, uh, mindfulness, uh, it triggers more fear, and then it kind of spirals out. And so if you, if it, if you notice that it's really spiraling out, um, you have to be cautious. Maybe it's not healthy for you. But if um, but overwhelm and spiraling out are two different things. So so uh, so you have to be able to be discerning about what's happening. But but in principle, that's what I recommend you that you uh, you just uh, trust it, trust the process, and and open to it. Let it be overwhelming, and breathe, and stay, and stay. And if you stayed for a long time, forty minutes, forty five minutes with it. Then maybe get up and do some walking meditation, or walk around the block, and then come back and continue. Thank you, Gil. Uh, I know that uh, I don't want to. I think just a short question. The your the routine of your retreats. I th- I'm sure other people would be interested in it, um, hearing the general routine because I've been to a Zen retreat and I kind of know the traditional Zen session format. Because is that an appropriate question to ask right now, or I could ask a non-teacher? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Uh, the, we have, I think we have the schedule for our retreats on our website. But the difference between Zen and our retreats, insight retreats, is that in Zen, the schedule is required. Everyone has to show up. And in our retreats, the schedule is a recommendation. And so if you need to take a break, it's easy to take a break. And so... You know, but we have a lot of sitting through the day, sitting and walking meditation. In Zen, the walking meditation is usually 10 minutes. For us, it's uh, 30 to 45 minutes. So there's a bigger kind of break between sits in that way. Great. So then we have Susan. Hey, folks. Hi, David. Um... Sort of along the same lines, I don't have a teacher. I don't have never done refuge or any of that. So, but I do read and I study on my own and I've been coming to these sessions for um, quite a while. But one of the things that I'm sort of trying to... um, figure out is 
we are told and neuroscience tells us that the things that we focus on become stronger and stronger and stronger like ruts in your mind, whether they're emotions or whether they're thought stories or whether they're whatever. Um, and in the Buddhist, you know, um, interpretation, that would be the more you, you know, more thoughts or um, attitudes you uh, have in your mind, that's what's going to become a stronger inclination for your mind, for your attitudes, and then eventually, I guess, become part of your character, or that's what's built your character. So we are also instructed to, when something comes up that's not particularly helpful, wise, you know, it's um, that to sort of sit with it and feel it even more and more and more. And I'm wondering, where's that line between, okay, it's, um, what is it, desensitization therapy, you know, letting the spiders crawl all over you until you're no longer afraid of spiders. And when is it um, indulging the fear or the emotion thought even more? Yes, this is a very important question. Thank you. And uh, it's very important that we can start discerning the difference between participating in difficult states, activities of the mind that reinforces them, for example, versus uh, uh, being mindful of them, which is uh, a different uh, track in the mind. It's a different activity of the mind that we're trying to reinforce and strengthen, we're not trying to uh, strengthen our neurosis. And so the... Um, uh, so, uh, uh, but some people can't, it's difficult to see the difference between the two, the way that we get involved and participate in, in our kind of negative mind states uh, is almost uh, uh, unconscious. And so we bring mindfulness to it, and the mindfulness itself is just more of the same as before. And it's, it, we are then reinforcing it. And so it's not so healthy so uh, one of the th- uh, instructions I offered uh, this last week or two was the idea that um, when, you, when you're mindful of something, like especially it was for thinking, thinking mind, is um, do it for only three breaths. Because that might be enough to kind of uh, inter- interrupt the usual way in which we're feeding the thinking mind but we're not. Uh, we're then not likely to keep keep somehow unconsciously feeding it, and then we come back to the breathing. And then it might be a few breaths later you go back and notice thinking again, but uh, but not just stay on it all the time. And that principle might also be true for some emotions. That uh, if we stay with some emotions too long, like with fear, it might be that with fear, um, there's it's uh, it's almost automatic that some fear is carried in the mindfulness itself which then maybe subtly, is, or subtly, not so subtly, is reinforcing the fear. But if we do three breaths with fear and then return to the just breathing for a while and then relax and then three breaths with fear, that might support uh, this shifting of, the, of what's being uh, developed in the mind. And we are in Buddhism trying to develop positive states of mind by the repetition, by feeding them. And some of the positive states of mind are mindfulness, 
uh, joy, uh, tranquility, uh, uh, concentration or this kind of steadiness of mind, equanimity. Um, there's uh, faith that we want to we want to strengthen. Um, that kind of trust or confidence we want to stre- uh, strengthen. So there are kind of good states of mind that uh, we want to recognize and and um, and allow for. And uh, but what happens with the best states of mind that comes with meditation? Uh, they're there because of the absence of other hindrances. They're not there because we're participating in them. And so then we're allowing for them. We're kind of getting out of the way. We're more like making room for them so they can grow and spread rather than engineering them or trying to push them to be better or something. Um, so when the, when the self is involved with self, uh, when uh, too much self-concern is involved with the mindfulness, then chances are we're feeding the wrong thing. When, well, you're bringing up another, the other flip side of it for me in terms of the kind of difficult, um, easy way that you can um, subtly shift things. So the idea of the positive states of mind, at what point are, I mean, the idea that maybe um, shifting in that way is also a way of suppressing and denying, you know, okay, I'm going to suppress and deny and allow, I can allow certain things to bubble up, but I have to push something else. You know, see, I'm I'm not very experienced at this. So this is what I see my own. I worry, you know, like, okay, is this really something that's naturally, um, you know, sort of drifting off because I've let it go uh-huh. and something positive is coming up? Or really, is that a subconscious suppression, repression? Um, and then, you know, grasping after something that has a nice um, sound to it, you right, know, like, right. um, you know, equanimity or whatever. Sure. And sort of labeling it so I feel okay, that's okay. But in fact, it's really. Um, disengagement from something I don't want to feel. Great. And these are all things happening kind of, yeah, at the margins of subconscious. Yes, great. So the fact that you're uh, concerned with this, thinking about this, is a good sign. This is healthy and appropriate to have this kind of self-reflection, these kinds of questions. So I appreciate that quite a bit. Um, but uh, the fact that you have it, I would like to uh, suggest to you that uh, that uh, you have a discerning mind. You don't have to be actively using it as much as you're using. That uh, uh, it, it's there for to support you. That what you need to do is to trust the practice, and that everything will be be revealed over time. So if you're repressing things, uh, rep- you know it's not not a crime to repress things. So I wouldn't, you know, treat it as a crime. It's like, you know, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're not a bad Buddhist because you're repressing things. There might be good reasons to repress. It might be better than the alternative for some people. So, um, but if you're mindful, um, 
uh, and learning to be mindful of the body. And with time, you get to be mindful of your reactivity, the tensions in your body. And sooner or later, you'll start noticing you're repressing. You'll see it and feel it. And then the practice becomes self-correcting. And don't be, don't be ahead of yourself. Don't guess and worry that it might be happening. If you want, just assume it is happening. It's okay. And, um, and just keep doing the practice until it becomes obvious in your experience. Oh, yeah, there it is. I see it. I'm doing it again. You don't have to guess whether you're doing it or not. You know you're doing it. And you feel the tension and you feel the downside of it. And then you're ready to do a course correction. But don't do a course correction until the mindfulness has revealed its full glory. Mm. Trust the practice. Just do the practice with what's obvious. Do the practice with what's going on. And you have the discernment. I'm repeating myself. You have the discernment to notice these things. So you can now relax. Just trust the process, the practice. Just be mindful of how it is. Don't second guess. Don't worry about what's not obvious. And the practice is self-correcting over time. Ash. Thank you, Gil. Um, I feel in some ways that that question might have answered my, that answer might have answered my question. I had a clear question at the beginning and now I'm having a little trouble framing it. I've been meditating with you for 20 years now. It's 2004 when I started listening to you and I've made felt feel like a lot of progress, equanimity and, um, sense of openness or noticing when I'm contracted and when I can orient towards an opening towards what's coming. So this is on the cushion as well as in livelihood and in interactions. And I guess um, without just the keep going and begin again, you know, what's next? <laughs> ah, what's next for you, Bash? Well, uh, I have a clear sense of what's next for, next for you, but I don't know if your life, life circumstance allows for this yet. So it might be some years away. But you're ready to sit some long retreats. Mm. And, uh, you know, minimum a month. Mm. It could be the two-month at Spirit Rock. It could be longer at, IRS, uh, at uh, IMS. Um, so uh, that's, uh, you're ready for a long, uh, a real, you know, in residential long retreats. Yeah, I'm oriented towards that, opening that space. So yeah, yeah. So that, you, that, that's, I, think, I feel like that's what's next for you. I mean, you know, in terms of, I don't know, you're, you're practicing great as you are, so it's not like you're missing out. But uh, in terms of, my, you know, my wish for you that's in addition to what you're already doing would be a long retreat. Thank you. Thank you. And then... Uh, is it Jean or Jeannie? Hi, it's Jean or Jeannie. Both uh-huh. work. Um, long time listener, first time caller. Um, and I'm just so grateful for this opportunity. And um, I might get a little choked up because uh, like Nate, the um, having a practice and having access to insight has absolutely transformed my life in ways that I never imagined to be possible. Um, And so thank you um, from all the depths of my heart um, for that. And thank you to everyone who sits because, you know, we perfect in some way by practicing together. 
Um, and I think my question is um, related to that because in this world where there is so much suffering and so much injustice that it can sometimes feel deeply unfair to even sit. And I know rationally, you know, the reasons to do it, you know, both from like literature and then experience, but sometimes just balancing that feeling that by practicing, I'm being unfair. Um, so any thoughts or guidance that you can offer would be most appreciated. Ah, I'm, I'm very touched and appreciative of you saying all of this and with the question and concern that you have. And I, I probably won't be able to do a good answer for you personally. I'll do my best. But uh, um, Well, I appreciate first how meaningful the practice has been for you. And so one possibility is that um, you're ready for something different now. And of course, I hope you keep practicing, you know, some every time. But maybe it's time for you to uh, do something that responds to the suffering of the world more actively or more fully than what you do now. I don't know what you do now, but uh, maybe it's time for you to to actually uh, bring the practice to something. Uh, And whether it means that... um, you know, that you go to the Gaza or the Ukraine and try to help the children there who are suffering so much, or whether you, uh, you know, form a neighborhood support group for people who are suffering in your neighborhood. You know, I don't know what it would be. It it doesn't have to be dramatic. Um, You you know, you're not going to end some of the wars in the world. But uh, do something. And as you do it, and probably you should start with something small, uh, you know, easy to do, but do something. And, uh, and as you do it, uh, check in with yourself. Keep, keep checking in, be honest about how it's going. And you might then, at some point, because you know what you're capable of, uh, how much suffering you're capable of having, at some point you'll say, okay, now I know I need to practice. You know, now I really need it. Yes, I read, the, I read all the stories why you should be practicing and how it helps other people. But now it's, you know, it's true. If I don't practice now, uh, I'm going to make a mess of what I'm trying to do for the world. And that might be the phase you're in. And you do that for a while, and then you might be uh, ready for, like with Ash, go off with Ash to a long retreat. <laughs> Is that okay as an answer for now? Yes, that is, that's very helpful uh, as an answer for now, and it brought uh, additional clarity as well about what is or is not um, ready. Great. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So maybe we'll do two more, and I see two hands up, so it's, um, so it's, uh, is it Midge? Yes. Thank you. Um, thank you, Yolan Sangha. Um, my question has to do with um, being a senior and uh, an advanced senior and coming to Buddhism as a practice and finding that many things that I thought were resolved in my life through a a long time spiritual practice and also many years of therapy have opened up and um, I um, 
And, and I hear that it takes time for these things to take place. And I'm at, I'm beginning at the end. So, so how does a senior come into uh, active Buddhist practice? Okay. Uh, well, active Buddhist practice. Where do you live? In uh, San Jose. Oh, San Jose. Um, so IMC does have a senior sangha. A group that meets I'm, most. I'm doing senior sangha. I'm doing eightfold path. Okay, uh, so you're doing lots of. I I attend. I've been attending your um, uh, meditation practice for over a year. Huh. So. Uh, you know, so I don't really know you. Maybe we've had one other conversation like this before. I somehow recognize you. So I apologize for if I don't remember if we met. No. So it's a little bit hard in this context to have a, a really deep meeting with you about this and to be able to offer you something. Uh, if I take a risk with you and with everyone here, uh, if, if that would be okay? That's fine. You're, so you've had a long spiritual practice, and so maybe you, have, you can um, brush me off if I say something which is not helpful. Um, so it's a thought experiment. Or it's based on this premise you might already have a very strong foundation. And the question is, can you call on your existing foundation as a, as a, as a foundation with which to practice with the difficult things which are arising now? I, I do find that helpful. And can you do so in such a way that the issues you have do not get resolved? Is there something more important for you that can, that's here, that can be present that, uh, for you that uh, doesn't depend on these issues being resolved? My, uh, my desire for, for coming to Buddhism was to uh, face dying consciously. Yes. So that, that, that was where I was going to go with you. So imagine that you're on your deathbed. And, you know, somehow you understand you have about five minutes left to be alive. That's the circumstance. And it's, you're comfortable, you know, you're dying the best way you could imagine, but you, you have five minutes left. And, um, uh, and then you remember... I think I overpaid my credit card. I better do something about this and call my credit card company and try to fix this. And would, 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 Is that the best way to spend your last five minutes alive? No, not for me. So, so what, what would be better? To be present to what's happening uh, right with me at that that moment and, and why why is that why is that better than uh, dealing with money is important right it was you earned it and you should not lose it and so wh- why is it why being present at that moment is more important that the money is is of no use to me <laughs> at all mm-hmm. 
um, it, it has no meaning uh -huh. uh, at that particular time. It's, uh -huh. a it's something that's over and done with. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, okay. So well, that's nice. I'm happy to hear this. And now what about, um, and then your last five minutes and uh, some fear that you have that you still carry with you comes up. And there's that old friend, your fear. So, well, that's probably a good thing to do for the last five minutes is to really get into it and be afraid and, you know, you know, was it, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a good use of your time? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, I'll tell you my concern now is, is um, uh, my children uh, uh, letting go of, of that, letting go of them, uh, letting go of the things that, that were guiding um, cares and concerns in my life and joys and opportunities in my life and being present, you know, to what's happening with me. Right. So in, you have five minutes left. Yeah. And your, your, your kids, your family is around you mm -hmm. and they, they value you so much. You've been kind of a teacher, a model for them. And they're looking to see how you're going to die. Do you think clinging to your kids is the final message you want to give? No. What is the final message you want to give? Um, again, just being where, being in that moment and doing where my, the journey, taking the journey of my life in, uh, in a peaceful, calm accepting way. Fantastic. So Midge, so I apologize if some of the things I say were a little bit coarse or something, but, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you have a foundation. You know something already. You know something very profound about the value of being present here in a peaceful way. It's in you already. Can you call on it more now? Why wait? I feel that that's the practice, and what comes up are are things that I thought were resolved. For instance, I've I've worked in in counseling with people in death and dying. Yeah, and and being at this side of it is different. Uh huh. In a way. So and, so so I, I I agree with that. So now we come back to what I said at the beginning. Do you have the ability to be honest about what's coming up for you? to meet it with mindfulness and intelligence and maybe even try to find a way through it in a way. But no, you don't need to have it resolved. You can breathe and be present just fine with the issues coming up because you only have five minutes left. Maybe. You never know. You think you th I'm trying to offer you a different perspective on this. Is this working? It is. Are, 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 you think you're up for the challenge? Yes, I am. And I would lo love to talk to you about it someday or let hear how it's going. And if you're in San Jose, maybe you'll come up one Sunday morning when I'm here and you can say hello. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. So then the last one is Charlie. Hi, Gail. Um, hello from uh, near Boulder, Colorado. And um, now that we all have 
learned how to die. I don't know what else there is to say. <laughs> well, Thank that, you for that. And, well, if, you lear- if you've learned how to die, then there, there is something important to do. And that is to live your life fully. Mm. Live, li- live, live your life compassionately. That um, that sounds like it's in line with with what I'm uh, trying to do, and I just wanted to express a lot of appreciation to you for the support I've received from joining you for these uh, guided meditations these past six weeks, and um, and and a little bit before that, I'm um, finding a lot of um, it, it, it the. Uh, There's always been a a tension in my mind about in meditation between, um, oh, I guess it's a kind of spiritual bypass, escapism, going away from life um, through silence, through being alone versus connection, uh, compassion, as you're saying, the point of life, right? Um, And um, it's, and so... um, it sounds like, you know, you talk about, you talk about both of those things, you know, you talk about creating space and distance from aspects of mind. And part of me says, no, I don't want to do that. I want to be with everything. I don't want to create space and distance. I want to be connected to myself, every part of myself, every part of the world. I don't want to go away. I don't want to escape. I don't want to bypass. I don't. And then, um, then I'll just think and think and think and kind of time goes by and um, there's um, I don't know I don't know sure what my question is in there there's this has yeah. always just been this tension between being connected allowing everything versus creating space um, distance seeing things. Does that make does that sound like a question? Yeah, yeah, I understand your question, but uh, uh, it turns out both are possible. Actually, if if you do both, they both become better for each other. So, for example, uh, you have this concern about being disconnected from people and separating yourself and locking yourself out of people's lives when you go take a shower and close the door. <laughs> I was just imagining inviting everyone to come with me. Um, well, what, what? Yes, no, exactly. No, I want to be alone for that one. And yeah. and uh, and because in principle, what we're doing there is getting clean. And when we're clean, then people want to connect to us. You know, if you never took a shower, people would probably be you know pulling away. But you're, you 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 go back clean and refreshed. And you're so much better for making that connection to people. That rhythm of going, pulling away and locking the door in the, in the bathroom to shower and coming out clean is a natural rhythm. Meditation the same way. We learn to kind of cleanse ourselves by being apart in meditation, closing our eyes, so we come back better, cleaner, fuller. And what we're looking for in meditation is not to be... Um, 
apart from people. We're looking to be to avoid being entangled with people. And we come together like this, where it's uncomplicated, it's clean, it's full, it's caring, not caught up in people with each other. And, and, and ultimately, we, we have better, better connections when there's a separation that comes together like this, where each person is met in their own wholeness, which a lot of people don't know how to do. But to discover your own wholeness, your own fullness, your own freedom in meditation, then allows so much more to happen when you come together. It's actually the relationships become richer. So, I, I, so you can do both. And don't set up one against the other. They both support each other, like showering. And then I would encourage you so I, I love it that you're this way, that you have the sensibility, or you're concerned, that you have a practice, that you want to be in the world and connected, maybe in a compassionate way. Um, uh, I think you probably have good things to do in the world, for the world. And I would encourage you to be uh, co- courageous. Thank you. Um, I will do my best. Great. And I hope, hope to join you for a retreat in, um, at IMC soon. Great. I'd love to have you come. That would be very nice. And, and uh, as, long as, you're, as long as you understand that uh, you're, it is a kind of, it's wonderful at these retreats because it's definitely a way of pulling away from your normal life. But we have 40 people in community that's really special. So you're doing it in a different context. So yes, you're pulling away from your normal life, but it's not from life itself. It's actually life is fuller on retreat for many people. It's a way of stepping into life. And in the way that you want to really be connected to life, on the retreat there's a way, particular way we step into life in a much more fuller way we can than we ever can do in some of our daily lives. Mm. Okay, great. Nice, nice to talk to you. So, so let me put, put it back on gallery view. So thank you everyone for being part of this. And I had wanted to hope to do a, a you know, breakout group for you so that you could meet each other. But we, it seemed like it was nice to continue with the questions. So I appreciated the questions. I appreciate all of you being here and all this. And and um, it's my intention to do these community meetings more often. And uh, certainly I'm inspired after today to do it more often. Um, my schedule is such that, you know, it's a little hard. But um, I will uh, look for the next opportunity. So thank you all and be well. And, and uh, I'll see many of you, I hope, on uh, Monday. Or see you. I'll, you'll see me more. <laughs> we'll be together. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Gil. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Gil. Thank you, Sanga. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Gil. Thank you, Gil. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Gil. 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 Nice to see everybody. Bye-bye.
Thank you, Gil, for doing this. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for their wonderful questions. Right. Thank you so much for the teachings today. It was special. Very special. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.